Hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast. My name is Stephen Robles and I'm here with Seth and Nerva Reddy. You may know them from the Christian music that they've done. Nerva sang with Toby Mack. Seth has been a young adults pastor and speaker. And now this is a new show that they're doing to engage culture, the issues facing us today from a, a spiritual and biblical perspective, and to kind of unpack that and what it means for the Christian community and, and maybe you as a Christian or you as a skeptic from either side and what you can learn uh, from these events and how we see them through a, through a worldview. And so welcome, Seth and Nerva. Glad you're here today. Thank you. Well, thanks for having us, Brother Rubbles. Yeah, so so this is a new thing. You guys haven't done like a ton of podcasts and stuff in the past. And uh, tell us, you know, what's uh, making you want to get into that now? You know, that's a good question, man. You know, I've, I've uh, for so long, I've tried to stay out of issues, especially on social media, because it just doesn't tend to... Uh, foster good deep dialogue but um you know just maybe maybe a couple months ago i felt compelled to to begin to speak out on these issues and i can you know tell you a little bit about my own journey with thinking and worldview issues and and struggles with the bible but i would say you know i just felt a deep desire to 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 begin to speak in into these things that we're dealing with man there's so many voices coming at us and there's a lot of great voices out there too, but I just I felt compelled to sort of pick up our own plow and start plowing up fields. So, what about you, Nerva? What are you hoping to maybe communicate through this kind of platform to the people? You know, I uh, hope to definitely engage as well. I I too sense all the the chaos and, and a lot of the the messages and the voices and opinions on different topics in social media and even just media in general. And so I'm, I'm happy to always dig deep and to talk about issues from a, a perspective of, of knowledge. And so, yeah, I partner with Seth on, it's more of a passion of his, but it's more touched my heart watching him deal with it. And so from that perspective, I'm, I'm joining and partnering with him as well. Kicking and screaming. No, yes. <laughs> Reluctantly. No, no she's, she's happy to be along, but yeah. you know, so just, you know, a little bit about my history and why I'm even into these types of topics. You know, I grew up in a, in a, in a Christian home. Thankfully, I'm very, very thankful for my, my background. My parents, you know, were serious Christians. Um, I, I, er, some of my early memories, I remember really uh, connecting with God and, ha- you know, we were in the Pentecostal charismatic background, so we'd uh, have Holy Ghost car washes and, That's right. <laughs> and uh, you know, revival nights, we'd be there for hours and hours. And, you know, you either just sat there or you got involved. I got involved, you know, and I began to have these um, experiences with God. But I remember really, really starting to wrestle. I was taking uh, AP biology at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were studying the history of the earth and, you know, um, evolutionary biology, all those topics. And it didn't square with what I was hearing at church. And I remember walking up to a, uh, a revivalist who was in town <laughs> and I said, man, I'm, I'm re-, you know, I told him after, I was so I, it took me a while to work up the courage after service to go talk to him. But I finally worked it up and I was like, I won't even say his name, but I was like, brother, so and so. Uh, can you can you help me, man? I'm uh, I'm struggling with this this evolution thing. And he looked at me and said, "Well, son, the proof's in the pudding." And I still don't know. Wow. I, I feel like maybe there's something wow. like deep in that sure. cryptically that that right. like he was spot on and he had the one you solution that was going to solve everything. But you know, but uh, you know, I just I wasn't sure what that meant. Um, but thankfully, man, one of the things that's true about God is um, if you seek Him, He will find you. Mm. And you know, I. I I didn't give up. I really wrestled. I struggled. Um, I, I would find books. There, there was one guy in our church, Robert Vandermutten, 
who actually worked with him. Um, and he was, he was into like Josh McDowell and, and stuff like that, which was rare back then, at least in my church circles to have, uh, people that were even thinking about those issues and the historicity of the new Testament and is the Bible reliable, all those things. So once I found him, I just locked in, he had a library at his house. I'd check out books. I'd write my name and I would, I would begin to study these things. Um, Case for Christ, you know some of those yeah. some of those early early books, um, but I, I would say it was it was really it was still an intense wrestling even throughout my youth group. I had a great wonderful youth group, wonderful youth pastor. I was a leader in the youth group, and we'd have these wonderful services. But still, I would be struggling. I remember one uh, time specifically. It was we had the youth camp. You know, remember those week long yeah. youth camps? It was. Youth good invention, yeah, man. Yeah. And I really had one of these deep experiences with God, and and it was like, it was so it was so rich and and real. But I remember specifically sitting down. I think I was 15 years old after that, and the thought just popped in my head, and it said, um, you know, how do I know this stuff is true? Mm-hmm. How do I know this isn't just some psychological phenomenon that I'm experiencing? And so the the questions just would pound me, man. Like they would they would haunt me and. I wished I could say they, you know, I read a couple books and they just went away, but they really dogged me throughout even college. Um, you know, my, I remember my dad found out he got so worried. He went and talked to the president of the school, <laughs> basically <laughs> tried to stage an intervention because he felt like I was walking away from the faith. And and in some ways I was I was within a hair's breadth of losing my faith in college. And and I just couldn't pass through. Fast forward a little bit into our marriage. Um, in a lot of ways, I'd started singing um, for for Kurt Franklin. I got you know, mm-hmm. kind of my dreams came true. I was I had gotten, and we could talk about that another time. But I had made my way into the music industry, so a lot of that covered the doubt. Like I never, I never fully got through it, but it just distracted me from it for mm-hmm. a while. And I was, you know, still having good experiences with God, awesome time, living my dreams for three years, traveling with this guy around the world just experiencing things I never thought I would have. But um, started traveling Donnie McClurkin after that, shortly met Nerva on the road while she was with Toby at a Billy Graham crusade backstage. Um, I always say, you know, love it, second sight for me, love it, 554 sight for her. Um, True. Chased her down. We got married. And, you know, I think it was a, what what do you think, babe? A couple years into our marriage, it kind of came back. I don't know if you remember that, uh, was it uh, one of those Spider-Man, the, the early one with... Um, Tobey Maguire? Yeah, with Tobey Maguire. And and the, the dad's in there, like, in the mirror, and, like, the, oh, the demons yeah, the coming Goblin back. Oh, yeah, wow. the Green Goblin. <laughs> it was almost like this doubt, man, like, just started right. creeping in and chasing me again. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I thought I thought at least I had, like, put this to the side and, and not, not was, wasn't going to struggle with it that intensely, emotionally again. Right. But um, I, I began to really, really struggle with it emotionally. I think she could, you could tell at times. Definitely. You know, it would be a look in his eye. Um, I could walk into a room and he would just have terror or doubt. I mean, just mm. a, just complete despair over him. And so, you know, I, I tease him. So it makes sense now that um, I always say to him, I don't recall these challenges while we were dating and getting to know one another. <laughs> but so here we are in this marriage and I'm like, excuse me? You're struggling with God himself. Uh, We don't struggle with God. We don't ask him questions. We don't doubt him. And so my culture growing up was totally different. But God was showing me not to to, um, 
to despair myself. And, you know, when I when you look at your spouse and he's just having these doubts and heavy challenges with God, you, you can sometimes just yourself fall into a pit. But God was doing a deep down work in both of us. And I, I laughed because when we first got married, uh, tons of books would come to our home. And I'm like, who's ordering all these books, <laughs> books on science and religion? And I was like, babe, are you are these books yours? And so Seth would lock himself in a room and just read and read and read. And I'd be like, hey, remember me? We got married a year and a half ago. I'm your wife and we're kind of doing this thing together. But he was really digging deep trying to find answers to these questions. And so um, God was showing me that people come to faith in different ways. In my experience, I grew up in a religious home, but there was no deep knowledge or engagement throughout the week. We were churchgoers. We revered Jesus and God. and. And I remember walking through my um, neighborhood and these missionaries stopped me and said, hey, would you like to give Jesus Christ, your, um, make him your Lord and Savior? I was like, sure. Who wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> but that was as deep as it went. And I went yeah. back home. Nothing changed. I didn't study my word. We just continued just merely going to church and revering God, but not having a deep relationship. Yeah. So when I met Seth, he brought this deep discipleship into my life and just really help me engage and and know what I believe and not just believe it. And, you know, I was deep into my T.D. Jakes and my, you know, whomever was on TBN. And I was like, if it was preached, then it was right. And so um, he was like, well, you know, there's a there's a deeper. The man of God. The man it. of God said it, you know, so. <laughs> but he brought, it, right, that's it. it. And so I had, I didn't know that you can really, um, dive deep into the knowledge of what you believe and why and it even adds to your worship in a deeper deeper way but back to Seth you know watching him um just go deep and struggle was, and really it um, was pretty bad it was intense. for a while like I literally so you know sure. we, would, we would travel on weekends yeah so we'd be gone you know two or three four days so I'd get back in town and I'd like I'd hit my books man I'd be reading for like sometimes 10 12 hours a day like I go to I go to bed at night with a book on my chest, and I'd, if I woke up in the night, sometimes you know how things intensify. Yeah, um, I would experience sometimes anxiety because I was right. I was reading so much in these deep topics, and I'd wake up and feel so unsettled and like, right. you know, the Christianity meant so much to me, but right. but I couldn't just make myself turn my mind off, and I could, yeah. and I and I said I have to search this stuff out. If it's not true, I can't. Wow. I can't mindlessly hold to it even though it makes me feel good like I really need to find out but that that tension and that sometimes cognitive dissonance of not having the answer yet but still living your life on the basis of something you don't know is settled mm -hmm. and and true is it created this man this is intense and the anxiety could could at, at the time I didn't have a thorough understanding of doubt mm -hmm. itself so I thought it was all intellectual I didn't realize the emotional component to it yeah. and that it was furthering um, kind of this this wrestling and anxiety I had. So. I think how we grew up too. I grew up in a similar situation, you know, Pentecostal church, and just questioning and doubting was shunned, you know. Yes, for the most part, and not because for whatever, but it was because there wasn't readily answers available. Yeah, you know, even as when we were growing up, there was no internet, there was no YouTube. You could not watch videos of someone talking for an hour about suffering or whatever. But that question of you know, you have these doubts, but you're taught to have faith. Yeah. And so you think that because you're struggling, that there's something wrong with you, that your faith part is broken or something. Yeah. That all those years that you spent growing up in the church, 
now like it was for naught because yeah. you don't have the faith to carry you through. But it's not the case. There are actually answers and sources that you can go to. Absolutely. For sure. And I, th- but I, and I think that's a great point. So what happened to me as a kid when I would share these things in, in the particular churches I would in, what was in, it would, I think it would scare people sometimes. Right. Or they just didn't have the answer. Maybe they had, these were well-meaning people. Like right, they were good, good folks and they meant well. But for many of them, they just started with the presupposition, Christianity is true, the Bible's reliable. And they don't, they, they never asked if those things were true. They, and so for me, many of them would say, you just got to believe it. Just believe it. Yeah. Right. As though it were just merely an exertion of the will. Right. And so in this case, faith, they had bought into kind of the cultural mindset that faith is a, is a leap in a certain direction right. and it's arbitrary and it's based on the will mm. alone. They didn't understand faith, which I think would be the biblical definition is confidence mm. based in what you have good reason to believe. Mm. In, in other words, confidence in the fact that God has revealed who he is, that confidence that comes as a byproduct of that. And I, I actually would love to do, we should do a podcast on knowledge and faith, mm-hmm. belief, and the interaction of these things um, later on. But, you know, so that's that's what I ran against, exactly what you're saying, this anti-intellectual stream that had made right. its way into the Pentecostal charismatic world, and really much of the evangelical world, because it right. wasn't much better when I talked to people outside of that. Again, well-meaning, but not not so helpful. Now... Just as an aside, there's a current movement that kind of like highlights doubt as a great virtue <laughs> and something that like right. deconstructionism and all these ideas, I think that's equally misplaced. And, and we'll talk about that later on, too. But we do need a place in our churches where we can help uh, anybody, really, but especially young folks, learn how to doubt in a healthy way right. where they can come into an environment really just to ask questions. We don't want to make doubt a virtue, but to mm-hmm. be able to ask questions and think through these things critically yeah. in a safe space uh, where there's leaders and guides. So in essence, that's really where um, where I started coming out of this in my marriage. So I, I, I went to a uh, an apologetics conference by myself in Rhode Island. Uh, I don't know how many years ago this was, babe, but um, Nerva was like, yeah, just go do it. I think it'd be good for you. Get out of my house. No, No. (laughs) you know, and you know, and let me rewind just a little bit because, because of the reactions I had gotten in church growing up, I think I learned that I had to hide it because it was seen as they either thought I wasn't being um, like I was being evil, like it was something in me. You had nefarious intentions. Yeah, sure. like the the mere questioning, the struggle of it was was sin of an, in and of itself, right. and so, or it was something that they would get angry at you about. So you learn how to hide it, right. and so I think I naturally began to like kind of hold those cards close to the vest, even in our marriage with Nerva, hmm. and so I was scared because even when we did have a couple conversations. I think you were saying that earlier, babe, where you didn't know how to handle that. You know, I I just couldn't relate at first. But then once I got comfortable with, you know what, God can really handle this doubt and he can he can meet you where you are. And, and I knew that you had a, a relationship with God. That wasn't the case. It was just you had these deep questions that you were wrestling with. So but, you know, that you rem- I do remember you saying um you were reluctant to share with me these these doubts yeah. and these questions, but I think that after we talked about it, they got the oil out one time. Tried to <laughs> just you know, so I was yeah. like seriously, like that's what I was used to. So yeah. I, I didn't it, want to. Right. To I was scared you... of her reaction yeah. if I told her like I seriously right now I'm like sixty forty that God mm, exists. Yeah. Like I'm, I I want to believe it, but I 
but so, I'm not confident. I'm not confident right. in it. I'm not confident that the Bible was inspired by him and mm. is therefore, you know, inerrant and a reliable guide yeah. about reality. Right. So I, I held those things close. So fast forward again, sure. I went to this apologetics conference and I walked out. It was incredible. Like I was in, it was at nerd camp, you know, I was like in heaven <laughs> going to these conferences all day and then going back in my hotel room and, and reading more, you know, three, four hours. And um, I found a booth that was, uh, they were advertising, um, Biola just started a new grad program for apologetics or science and religion that was distance learning. Mm-hmm. And I looked on the brochure and it was all my favorites. You know, you had William Lane Craig, J.P. Moreland, all these guys that had influenced me over the years. So I was like, man, I want to sign up for this. She claims I never told her. I don't that recall I, ever having a conversation. Just imagine prior to this, he would already lock himself in a room with books. Now he's working on papers and dissertations and debates and things. And I was further like, uh, hello, remember me? So he just dove deep. And it was um, an adjustment for us because it was, I think it was hard for me. I was yeah. like, um, you're diving deep into this and I feel left out a little bit. And so here he is in this class, online class and a couple classes. And I'm just yeah. like, what is happening here? Where, and where it are we? Yeah. <laughs> reading and yes, no doubt. So. And I think we had that our, was that was bit. like one of our first deep, yeah. big arguments. Yeah. And um, I just kind of might, I might've stormed out of the room and I remember going <laughs> into the other guest room and I opened the Bible and I promise you, I remember this. It went straight to first Corinthians. Love is patient, love is kind, it mm. is not puffed up. And I was like, okay, God, I hear you. Went back to Seth and we apologized to one another. And I think that was just a new day. We we just vowed to just kind of work through this together. Yeah. And to just, I had to honor what God was doing in, in his heart and his soul and his mind. And, yeah. and that we would, we were in this journey together. And she did. And she, you know, she did it kind of out of duty. But we still were far apart spiritually. Yeah. Like her diet was TBN, and mine was, you know, case for Christ. Getting into like really, really deep and... philosophy yeah, yeah. and stuff. Sure. So she would have it on, and she could tell I was kind of irritated about something they were saying. <laughs> you know, remember so the she... week of our honeymoon? Even I was reading a book, and you were like, "Okay, what is that?" And I was like, "What do you mean? What is this? This is a book about God." And so, but yeah, we were so <laughs> we were so on opposite spectrums of yes. It all. Of our approach to our walk with God. Yeah. I started this uh, thing at Biola. It was awesome. Online. Class. And what it did is it gave it gave me a safe space to interact right. with these guides um, mm. for the first time. Like I wasn't on my own. Sort of this like mm. you know lone warrior out there at the mercy of the latest crazy internet that I don't even know who's right. writing this stuff, who's saying it. Um, these guys really helped me learn how to, how to think through these issues in a way that didn't, it, it began to erode the anxiety that I experienced in it. Yeah. One of the weekends I was out, cause you have to go to LA mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks at a time and um, do these uh, lectures and stuff like that. And I picked up a little, it was a little CD series by uh, Dallas Willard, mm-hmm. who was a, a philosopher, at uh, USC at the time, a secular university, but it, but a strong Christian, strong, yeah. strong Christian thinker, and it, I think it was called uh, "Knowledge of Christ in Today's World." Mm-hmm. And I'd always heard of Dallas through Ravi Zacharias, right. through J.P. Moreland, all these guys that kind of looked and had a a high level of respect for him. 
So I just picked it up and I bought it and brought it home. I started listening to it. I was driving uh, to a music thing from LA down to San Diego and I, I listened to it and I couldn't stop. I was just like, boom, boom. There were mm-hmm. like eight, eight one hour lessons and I just listened to them back to back to back. And uh, something in me hit me when I was listening to it. I said, Nerva, I think Nerva might like these. Everything else prior to this point, I had showed her in the apologetics <laughs> world. I was like, why do we ask these questions again? And <laughs> well, tell me again why this matters. And, and not yeah. only was she like, why, but I think it irritated her like TBN irritated me. Yeah. <laughs> she just like, like it was just... a language. You know, there's a whole language yeah. to it. Sure. And it's a lingo and it's a way of talking about Christianity that seems clinical yes. to some. You know, whereas sometimes the faith side seems too emotional for another, but there's also truth and goodness in both. For sure, for sure, absolutely, for sure. And so that's where she was like, uh, but for some reason, something inside me said she might actually Mm -hmm. be able to tolerate this. So I brought it home and played it for her. And for some reason, I don't know why, because it was high level stuff too. Like he was, he was going deep, but she connected with it and. I loved it. That was the initial process that began to bring us together spiritually in our marriage. Mm. And now I could pretty much throw anything to her. (laughs) At least she's not irritated for the most part. Um, But It's not irritation. I was more concerned, like really worried. I can't remember. I think the irritating part was Seth's ability to focus hard on something to where nothing else exists outside of that focus. And so I felt left out more than anything. But it's true. When he brought those teachings to me by Dallas Willard, I couldn't put them down. I had them on repeat like this is riveting stuff. Just really. It was more philosophical. It was. Than, and, I, and I think, you know, he had he had really done a, a unique thing, like mastered certain elements of philosophy, but kept like a deep humility yeah. and uh, spirituality oh, it with awesome. it that, that I think made it palatable for her to to hear. And so we, you know. <laughs> We connected on that. Um, fast forward, like that was the beginning of me going to school, the beginning of me coming out of the cave of, you know, and I still I, I still have a um, document on my computer that says bag of questions, and I still write stuff down um, mm. that I don't have solved yet, and I right. pull it back out from time to time and, and you know, go after it. But I, and you could testify to this. Would you say that for the most part I'm way less emotionally kind of depressed and anxious about the topics these days than I was. Yeah. I like that idea of a bag of questions being a segment on us. I haven't right, seen right. these questions, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, we'll take others' bags first. But yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, in the past, definitely four yeah, or five since, years. Since been... school, I think it did something. It gave me a healthy place. And, and Do you think that um, your classmates that enrolled in this program had a similar struggle or just a love for it? Could you get a sense? Uh, you of know, there were people from all different, okay. all different backgrounds that came to it for different reasons. Yeah, but I did, I, I did find that a lot of people in those classes at some point had experienced uh, deep, you know, bouts of doubt in their life or struggles with it. Um, but yeah, I think um, for me, it definitely was the struggle that that made me dive into. 15 okay. to 20 years of intense study and reading yeah. and searching. But in that process, one of the things I learned to do was, was think critically. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to this, um, you know, sort of to this free mind podcast, because I think, you know, obviously they don't teach critical thinking in schools in general these mm-hmm. days. We don't really, you know, even Dallas oh, Willer, for instance, he'd say people would graduate from PH with PhDs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, often they would be um, highly credentialed, uneducated people. 
Wow. Right. Wow. And, you know, much of our education these days across the board doesn't really educate in the classical sense. We don't learn how to think. They just feed us what to think. They feed us methodology. Right. They feed us, you know, just enough to get a license in a particular area. It's usually specialized and it's mm-hmm. disconnected from the whole. Whereas the original yeah. universities, as you know, Greek. was trying, yeah, it was trying to find unity in the diversity and it, it trained you in all these fields, philosophy, logic, yeah, yeah, history, and it tried to pull, integrate those things together and give you a well-rounded approach to life, including um, morality wow. and all those items. That's a such a nuanced thing too, because without knowing much about logic or argument or even how to think critically, you can hear a lot of these big name people um, like Richard Dawkins or Neil deGrasse Tyson, and they make statements that might be philosophical or moral statements. And from just a layman's point of view, they sound really smart with what they're saying. And something William Lane Craig, a Christian apologist, Biola University, one thing he always points out is these guys are great scientists, but that does not make them good philosophers. It does not make them good arguers even. Like they have knowledge in an area and they have that PhD, but it doesn't mean that applies then to all topics and areas and worldview and all that. For sure, for sure. And I think because none of us are or, you know, most of us aren't trained and really educated these days. We're perfect prey for for this day and age of, of just information overload where you don't know how yeah. to sift through the information of the Internet. And yeah. so it, at worst, you have people just believe in anything or everything. Or even at best, you have Christians who are, you know, basically agnostic on all the things that matter because you've got yeah. all these different sides. And how do you possibly begin to delineate between these people who sound smart on all sides. Right. And I think as an encouragement too, like we may talk about some heady topics and people might get intimidated, but just like anytime you start a new skill, like if you want to start to learn how to play guitar, the first skill you develop is you hear the bad notes mm. and the bad notes that you play. And then you can start to hear the bad notes that other people play. And that's yeah. kind of the first so good. thing. And so I think as people listen to this podcast and hear us talk about these topics, I think initially you'll be able to start understanding, oh, that's a bad argument. Yeah. I may not understand the facts or the details right. or be able to explain why it's wrong, but I can yes. hear and say, they're making a judgment call or they're making yep. a truth claim yep. and they're not following with all the, the right steps. And so I think people will be able to recognize that. And that's kind of, I think, one of the first tools that will help people when they hear these secularists or atheists or yep. these artists you know, from the secular world make these statements. You'll be able to sift through that. Yes. So. And I think that, you know, uh, and just to encourage people, like even with you, Nerva, like, this isn't something that you, you didn't come to this topic through the struggle. No, I didn't. personally. And at first you sort of stepped into it. Like, I don't even know why you care about what you're <laughs> reading true. five books on. Why does that yeah. even matter? Oh. And she, she, I drug her to this conference one time, RZIM. Yeah. And, um, it was, uh, John Lennox was speaking and she, you know, she, she was just kind of intrigued. Like she wasn't into this stuff, but, and he's, you know, kind of a, uh, he's, he's a leading Christian thinker. So good. Yeah, he's just a brilliant guy from Oxford University. Mm-hmm. He teaches um, mathematics, but he also has done doctorates and stuff like philosophy of science, ethics. Right. Um, you know, he's an intellectual lightweight. But um, <laughs> he so he was speaking one day, and he said something that was like a hot button issue, and everybody like the class got... erupted. I was like, "What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Something just happened, and I don't know what." And it she was didn't know amazing. what. And so she was like, 
what is what what i don't what is this world you're in (laughs) but But, it was so incredible to me that people have flown in from all over the world to really dig deep into these topics of deep questions about the existence of god and the earth and creation and all that and i was like wow this this does really matter and years into just um learning more about this it really has increased my faith and my yeah. confidence and made my worship a lot more rich and opposed to just kind of believing and just mm-hmm. reading and just kind of going with the flow of what goes on on a Sunday morning. Now I come to it with so much more depth and so much more understanding, which now my, my eyes towards God is just, um, I'm in awe of this God mm-hmm. that I serve because of all that I'm learning about him. So yeah, it's been very I, it, enriching. Would, you would say it's deepened your faith. For oh sure, my gosh. Right? It, it blows my mind. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, again, as people, you know, we're going to throw a lot of names out like John Lennox mm-hmm. and Ravi Zacharias. And one of the stigmas that Christians and a lot of people of faith have in the world today is that they're dumb. Mm. Yeah. Or that people wow. are, don't, uh, are not critical thinkers or they're not scientists. They're not smart philosophers if they are also Christian. And if anything, if you can get any encouragement, even if you don't understand everything that we talk about on this show, just know that there are smart people out there that are really doing critical work and yeah. doing Absolutely. doctoral work and are influential across religions and worldview. You know, oh, yeah. someone oh like God. John Lennox uh, can speak to, you know, an atheist or someone else on topics of science, science and philosophy and things like that. So just to know that there are smart people and being a Christian, having faith does not also mean that you don't think. Yeah. Um, right. Is I'm reading a book right now called A Severe Mercy by C.S. Lewis. And um, it's a love story about a, a couple and they started out as atheists but he goes away to college at Oxford and he comes in contact with some Christians and he's like okay I won't count it against them you know they're, they seem cool they seem fun but you know he began to say okay because they're smart they're intelligent they they get along with people they're great to be around maybe there's something to this Christian thing and so he writes a letter to C.S. Lewis on the campus, and he and C.S. are exchanging information and about these questions he has. Okay, I can't come to faith unless I believe, and I can't believe unless I have faith in all this <laughs> deep quandaries. And C.S. just walks him through it. And reading these letters, which are in the book, is really fascinating to see how people come to Christ on an intellectual level first, mm. or just believing first. And, and God can handle all of that if you seek him, like you said. He, you can be found by him. So that's the part I love, just the riveting journey of learning more about God, learning, picking up a book and learning more about the God that yeah. we serve through Christ. It's yeah, amazing. you know, and that's so good. I think one of the things we, we forget is like Christianity is about all of life, all Ooh. of the person. It includes our, our mind, our body, mm-hmm. our emotions, all yeah. parts of it. And so when we try to bypass the mind or leave it out, we're doing a disservice mm-hmm. To that part of our mind grow that part of our um, person growing in God under Christ and you know this sort of move again of of Christianity being all about faith and faith defined as this arbitrary leap in the dark you know mm-hmm. um, it's just it's just not it has very little to do with historic Christianity mm-hmm. as it as it was um, since the New Testament times of uh, J.P. Moreland, for instance, always he he talks about Christianity as a knowledge tradition. Yeah. yeah. In other words, it's um, it's it's never been just something we believe arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually something that's true and can be known to be true. Come on. And our belief and confidence actually deepens the more we get to know about God, the more we get right. to know about um the Bible and these things. So as it's sort of like I like to give the analogy of you know if you were going to get brain surgery. 
and you do your research and you find out, man, there's this really good surgeon. Um, and you, you know, the more you research and the more reliable that surgeon really is, the more it gives you confidence to get in his chair right. and let him do the brain surgery. Um, as opposed to just, you know, closing your eyes and looking through a phone book and pointing and you land on somebody. I'm probably going to be less confident <laughs> to get in that yeah, chair. Um, so it's, that's sort of the way biblical faith works. It's like it's God reveals himself to us mm-hmm. through, through nature, conscience, and primarily through his scripture. And the more we familiarize ourselves and get to know that, get to know him through those um, sources, the more our confidence grows, as a, and i.e. faith mm-hmm. grows in him. So I think my, the process, though it wasn't fun for me, um, and like, I mean, there were times that not literally, this is funny to say, but I cry because I, I, I was like, I, I, I don't think I'm gonna make it through this. Right. I don't think I'm gonna make it through this. It wasn't fun, but I look back and I thank God that he allowed me to go through that because, um, it's really, really deep in my confidence in the truth of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And more than that now, I, I didn't. You know, I knew that I was kind of a weirdo in that way. Like, not a lot of my friends were struggling with that stuff at the time. Right. But I honestly, sometimes I wonder if God specifically, uh, like, almost led me into that, like, a, like into the wilderness, because I, I really didn't have any reasons to doubt. Like, I had a good family. It wasn't wasn't this psychological thing that some people have as far as baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, but these questions would just pop in, and I wonder if it was God preparing me, because so many people now. Um, th- this culture has there's just been an onslaught with the new new atheists coming out, yeah. you know, after nine eleven, kind of, you know, their screams and and now this new, you know, the, the new political stuff that's coming out and right. and this influx and in, and in growth of uh, so called progressive Christianity, which we're going to talk about later on in a podcast, basically undermining the reliability of the Bible right. and challenging belief in God and, and belief in human nature. Um, that we even have a nature that, you know, you can be whatever you feel like you are, whatever you decide to be. All these things, I feel so prepared to deal with them because of the struggle that I had. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm seeing that so many people aren't prepared and weren't prepared. And so many young people are leaving the church in droves. And um, people that are staying in the church oftentimes don't have good answers. So they just close their mind off and they say, well, I'm just going to believe hard. Let's do more worship music, more you know, wow. let's be nice. Let's do outreaches, but they don't have confidence that what wow. they're what they're singing about, what they're talking about, is actually true of reality. Mm-hmm. And nor do they have the ability to explain it to someone who does have doubts. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, brings me back to the the answer of this question: Why free mind? Well, I, I, this this concept came to me. I've uh, been reading an Oz Guinness book lately on the Last Call to Liberty, and he talks a lot about freedom. And he said, real freedom always includes freedom from and freedom to. Um, a, a sort of cheap version of freedom that our culture buys into is just freedom from. We don't want anybody telling us what to do, basically, and that's freedom. Right. I could do what I want to do, yeah. but that's not hist- that's not classic freedom. Classic freedom said, "Yeah, we don't want we don't want people forcing us to do stuff against our conscience, but we also need to be free to be virtuous, mm-hmm. free to be kind, free to free to have character." And with free mind, I thought, you know, there's so many people that are in bondage mentally, their worldview these days to the spirit of the age, that we need freedom from that and we need freedom to take on the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, I think this gives us an opportunity. And, and, and really, even beyond that, I, I really felt compelled by the Holy Spirit, like he was telling me, don't 
this isn't the time to be to be silent anymore this isn't the time to be quiet it's time to be courageous it's Mm -hmm. time to stand up for for truth not for our sake but for the Mm -hmm. sake of others um to speak out on issues to bring clarity because the the ideologies that at bottom are being foisted on our culture by by the enemy are sometimes going unchecked in our especially amongst our peers in our age group and you know if since god has prepared me and has prepared nerva has prepared you as well in your studies um i just think man we, we need to be one of the voices that are speaking out in this time trying to bring clarity to these issues um so that's the hope remember you were sharing um how the original apostles were able to really spread the gospel and stand during those tough difficult times as well you said one was to yeah that's good so that that reminds me too you know just to just to just to re go back a little bit more you know we did you were part of this but we did the young we did a young started a young adults ministry in tampa uh at the crossing church what about four or five years ago babe that was a brand new and i think that's when nerva for the first time you might have seen like why i was in school and you said like it started to oh make yeah because like, i had never heard you teach before and so i <laughs> I he walked up there and I was so nervous for him and and he just began to share all that he had learned and all that God was pouring into him and all that he had took time to study in class and on his own and I was like wow okay I get it now it really mattered and I felt like all of that prepared you and I was like you'll be just fine up yeah. here every week teaching <laughs> so, so yeah yeah I you know I was never looking to pastor it was one of those God things where mm-hmm. we just kind of found ourselves doing it yeah. yeah. Uh, and it really took a break from music in a lot of ways for a while. Um, but during that time, I, I was real influenced by the time, uh, at that time, by a book called The Kingdom Triangle yeah. by J.P. Moreland. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he, uh, man, I forget the guy's name, it's, it's Michael Green, maybe the church historian. But he basically uh, distilled, distilled it down to three things that were, that yeah, were enabled the this. early church to thrive in a culture that was set against it, mm-hmm. to to have like real impact. And he said, these three things, when they were all together, that's when the church has been at its strongest. Um, and he said the first one was um, the the recovery, like basically the, the Christian mind, like they, they could outthink their opponents. Mm-hmm. They really, and you see that in Paul in, in the book of Acts, yeah. he's going in the, the temple and he's reasoning mm-hmm. with the, the Jews, he's going to Mars right. Hill, he's reasoning with the Greeks. And even Stephen, like they couldn't stand up to his his wisdom, mm-hmm. um, they ended up stoning him. But they they couldn't stand up to the wisdom that he had. Um, and we see that in the early uh, apologists, like Justin Martyr, um, these all these guys that were able Saint Augustine that were able to give yeah. a thorough refutation of the pagan culture that they lived right. in, and challenge them um, through the use of logic, the God, the gift of logic that God mm-hmm. gives us. So that was the first leg of the triangle. Um, this, the second was the, the character, the, the deep love. And this is something that challenges me, but you know, there's stories of where the Christians, where there was plagues that would hit, I think it was Rome, and you know that everybody was like scattering, leaving the town because the plague was just killing people. And the mm-hmm. Christians would go in and even die of the plague, helping serving, people, yeah. serving right. people. Mm-hmm. That, that depth of love, they would go rescue uh, the babies that were thrown out, you know, right. thrown out to die. They would go get them and raise them. Um, so this deep character um, kind of captured by just, you know, self-giving love right. was that second leg of the triangle. And the third, mm-hmm. the third leg 
was the Spirit's power, the, the manifestation of the gifts that, you know, the right. signs and wonders that would accompany mm. um, the, the church as they went forward. And in what he says is the three of these things together, right. man, just it, it made them be able to really impact and make a huge difference for the gospel and their culture. And so we, basically our whole time at Sub 30 was trying to unpack yeah. these ideas because I, yeah. I really, I think he was dead on about that. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it yeah. work like that. And, and we wanted to pass that on. And I think um, this, this is meant to be an extension of that. And it's so hard to get all three of those together because, you yeah. know, you get, you get one of them, you tend to, you meet people that are all about the, the manifest presence of God. And, mm -hmm. you know, typically, you know, in, in scenarios like that, I won't even say typically, but sometimes there'll be such an emphasis on that. They don't want to think too hard. It, or sometimes you get around the eggheads and they're like, ah, we don't, you know, yeah. the, the deep thinkers are like that manifest present stuff. That's uh, that's a little too much. You know, I think I think especially in today's culture, uh, this is big in, in young generations of the church that serving is kind of what they're most drawn to uh, because it is the most like feeling like you're the hands and feet of Jesus when you're doing that second leg of the triangle and helping and feeding yeah. and doing. But even that, there may come a point in your life where you are faced with a question. It might be a tragedy in your family and you experience suffering, or it might be a, a friend that leaves the faith because of their question and you're influenced by it. And in that point, yes, we do serve and we are the hands and feet, but we also need that other leg of the triangle to help our own faith. No doubt. Moment. No yeah. doubt. And, you know, I think what you're seeing now that we've, you know, we've, we've kind of had, I, I don't even know how many years you'd say just what you said has been the kind of the popular thing. It's like, yeah. you know, we're, we're just going to love people into the kingdom and that's all. And we're just going to be kind of these warriors going out there and ministering to the homeless, which is great. Like that, that is one of those legs for yeah. sure. But when you do it to the negation of the other things, you yeah. see how after a while it just, it can't sustain because as people, it it con it has to hit all those parts. You can't bypass the mind. And whenever you yeah. see like real conversion with people, like where they really come to know God, it involves all those elements: right. character, the mind, the the presence of God. You know, you can't yeah. do without it. And what you often get is people who are doing good deeds, but at the end of the day, they often they don't they don't really have confidence in the reality of the kingdom of God, because yeah. to really have um. To really have confidence, you really have to, to first know the content and have good reasons to think that it's actually true. So what you get people is leaping without faith. Right. 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 Wow. They're, they're acting as if they have faith, mm -hmm. but they actually right. don't have faith. They actually don't have confidence mm -hmm. that it's true. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we, we are going to probably take throughout our lives when we pass on to people is like, man, we've, we're doing ourselves a disservice if we don't we don't um, make ourselves aware of all three of these elements and try to cultivate those in our lives. Yeah. And one of the things I know growing up, the pushback was we shouldn't have to defend our faith because it's the Bible and it's just true. But if you look again in Acts and throughout the New Testament, so many times a defense was given. And even Peter on the day of Pentecost stood on the balcony and basically gave a defense. He was doing an apologetic to these thousands of people. And there you have two huge legs of that stool where you have the intellectual side and a move of the spirit. And so just like a two-legged stool, you know, can't stand. You need, you need all three. And I think, you know, that, 
and that brings up a good point. At some point, we need to do a podcast where we do apologetics for apologetics. <laughs> like, you know, give a reason for the reason that we give a reason. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it, it is so true, man. And I think, um, you know, I loved uh, actually Dallas's definition of apologetics, the use of reason and submission to the Holy Spirit to lift doubts off the honest inquirer. Right. Right. And... I think for me, man, I've, I'm so thankful for those guys because it is a burden. It was pressing in on my chest mm. daily, yeah. and they were able to help lift that that burden off my chest through the use of reason and submission to the Holy Spirit. And so, and and another important part though is like, what do we say about these cultural issues? You know, right. um, the the radical LGBT movement. Like, how do we engage with that as the church? You know, transgenderism often is rooted in postmodernism. And the idea that there there is no objective reality, we can just right. sort of um, make it what we want based on what you feel, what you think, you know. And so, uh, we, as you deepen your understanding of these issues, it helps you be able to apply it to these current hot hot button issues that are going on right. culturally. And so, I'm excited to kind of kind of step into that and try to give a more thorough um, understanding of of these issues that sometimes can confuse people and and uh get them off track you know i'm thinking of this quote i'm reading um rereading a book called the closing of the american mind and it's the first time i read it i have to be honest i didn't have a clue it was kind of um <laughs> intriguing and really riveting but i i would understand like every other paragraph but now i'm rereading <laughs> it and it's it's just taking me through a journey of how we as a nation has come to um, what you talked about earlier of just not really understanding logic, not thinking critically, not um, how universities have, have instead of just having a classical education, um, there it's more about a different agenda right now. Mm. But anyway, I'm rereading re sure. it. But there's a quote in one of his books where he says, America will learn to love when she loves to learn again. Mm -hmm. And so just the loving of learning, I think, can definitely be a start of transformation. Yeah, you know, when I um, think of, you know, Dallas Willard's definition of knowledge, you can you have knowledge of something when you can represent it on an appropriate basis of thought and experience. Mm -hmm. So it engages the life of the mind yeah, and the experience. No, no, no. <laughs> you won't hear me uh, expound a lot on these apologetics things, but you know, but I, I do really, really appreciate it and its effects on my life, my journey as a follower of Christ, a person living in this country, someone that is here wanting to have impact and really, really contribute contribute to society. And so um, these things are very important. At first, when I started, I like, ah. Uh. <laughs> and so, and I, I find it just God's brilliance that I would marry someone that in the beginning struggled with these thoughts and doubts with God. And God knew that I needed this in my life as well to challenge me and to help me grow and become a mature Mm. Not even Christian, but a thinker, a person that loves yeah. to learn. And so yeah. I'm excited about this. I'm really, really looking forward to these podcasts. For sure. So I hope you guys uh, follow us along on this journey and, yeah. you know, uh, connect with us on online questions, thoughts, disagreements, whatever. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for the ride.
Well, thanks, listeners. You can find all the information on this podcast at freemind.fm. If you have any questions for the show, for the bag of questions we might bring out later, you can email podcast at freemind.fm. And also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at freemind.fm. And you can follow the posts and also send questions that way, however you want to get in touch with us. We'd love to answer them on the show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can rate us on the iTunes store. And again, that helps people discover this podcast in search results. And so we'd love and appreciate if you could do that as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.